You're listening to a podcast from Rocky Mountain Christian Ministries. For more information about our church, please visit us at rmcmchurch.org. Yeah, and actually, you can open your Bibles again over to Matthew chapter 5. I'm going to go back through what Boyd just said. Moving along with this uh, little series that we're doing. I always think they're little at the beginning. I kind of think this one actually is. But um, yeah, we've been talking about salt, light, and leaven. Just started last week, and I am going to do a little bit of review on what we were talking about. But um, these, basically, what this is about, Jesus used these terms and some others, but he used these terms uh, to talk to us about our role, the way that he, uh, the way that he infuses his life into the world through the church, through believers, and he used these various terms to uh, kind of describe both his kingdom itself and how it works, and to describe again our role and and the main point of this teaching in my heart is that every one of us need to realize that there are no secular vocations or activities for Christians. There's no such thing. There's no, it's not that you come in here and we, we gather together and we've, we talked about the fact last week that the reason we gather certainly is to glorify him together and worship him together. But he says that he equips us all of us, each of us, every one of us, then to go out into a specific sphere of influence in whatever it is that you do and wherever you interact with the world to go out into that place equipped to release the life of God, to bring the word to people, to bring his power and his life to people, to bring, when you go into city market, you carry the presence of God. When you go into any place, I always use city market. I don't know why. I guess because it's full of people, you know? And I think we all go there, yeah. Uh, when, wherever it is that you go, when you go, and this just needs to be a greater, I think, an increasing awareness in us, you carry the presence of God. It's not just about what you say to people or, or do you... Uh, hand literature to people or say the right thing to people. I mean, those things are all great and fine. But what I think what we need to get is that we actually carry the presence of God, that just you being there with an awareness, with an intentionality about being a believer can break darkness. It can change and influence an environment in your workplace, in your home, in someone else's home. It's, we, we've got to realize that, that God is so intentional about this and his presence. He said, when two or three get together in my name, there I will be in their midst. And we understand God is everywhere all the time. His presence is everywhere. But the reason he said that was because there will be a different manifestation of his presence in a place where we gather for worship like this. We get that. And I'm, and I'm not in any way in this study diminishing that. I'm just saying, understand that that presence isn't just for church. I mean, 
so much. It isn't just for church. It is something we are filled with. We go out, we carry it out, okay? And so everywhere we go, we can be intentional about what we're doing. So I do want to go back and just uh, read through these foundation verses again. And again, over in, and Boyd just quoted them. You ought to be able to find them in your Bible. Matthew chapter 5, verse 13. I'm reading from the New Living Translation here. It says, you are the salt of the earth, but what good is salt if it has lost its flavor? All right, emphasis on the word flavor. Can you make it salty again? It'll be throw out, thrown out and trampled underfoot as worthless. So the idea there is that salt has this primary characteristic, which is flavor. And that flavor is to be released. We use it to change the nature of our food. Again, you don't just pile. It's not just about all the salt being piled on the side of the plate where it only touches other salt, okay? It is sprinkled into the whole meal. The idea there is the Lord, we have some primary characteristics, which is the nature and presence of God in our lives. And what the Lord is doing or wanting to do is to sprinkle that God flavor through us out over the whole meal, all right? Over the whole meal. Um, we looked at this uh, we looked at this terminology last week where it says salt of the earth, the word earth there, salt of the earth. Really broad term, it means the whole earth as distinct from heaven, okay? And it speaks of the planet and its systems over which God gave us dominion. All right, the planet and its systems and its resources. All right, when, when he says that you are the light of the world, the world, word world is a completely different word from this word earth. Okay, they don't have the same meaning. In, in that statement, you are the light of the world, it's talking about the world's systems, government, commerce, you know, economics, uh, the world system, society. And so he's saying, you're going to have influence. I'm sending you out to have influence in the earth itself over its systems and resources. We were given dominion over the earth. In Genesis, when God created man, he set them in the earth and he gave them dominion, okay? The point of that was for us to steward the earth in such a way that it looks like heaven. And it did for a little while. We don't know how long, but for a little while until man decided to believe Satan more than he believed God. And then we fell and things started to go sideways, okay? Pear-shaped, started to go pear-shaped. I think I've ever used that term before, but I like it. Don't like pears. Uh, so, actually, pears are okay. If you get them fresh off the tree, they're kind of okay. But those ones that my mom used to feed me out of the can that were all, and they're all, they have the little fibers in them, and it's like, ugh. Anyway, so, it wasn't until I moved to Paonia. I know you guys love these stories. In the 70s, and started eating pears off trees, it was like, oh, I see why people eat these after all. Anyway, so, so salt of the earth, it's talking about the, the, uh, the resources, the life systems of the earth. So what he's saying there is he wants us to carry his presence, his influence. 
into everything that we do with the earth. And I just want to stand on this for just a minute. Think about it with you for just a minute. So what we have seen, talking about the earth and the environment and, and all of that, what we have seen so far, because we have fallen mankind trying to, on the one hand, use resources from the earth, which we are supposed to do. God gave us the earth to use the earth. But we kind of have these two, because again, I'm talking about fallen mankind. We've kind of split into these two groups that are on two extremes. And the one group wants to just use resources many times without any responsibility of any consequences on how they're used. And that's not a good idea. You know, I grew up in the 60s and 70s, and at least to my knowledge, that's when we started kind of becoming aware of things like conservation and the environment and all that. I mean, I was, you know, I remember the first Earth Day and all that kind of stuff. And, but the, the thing was, we really were just totally, you know, poisoning a lot of rivers and, you know, we were ruining a lot of stuff at the time. It's true. But so we have, we had that bent as human beings. And then, uh, so the reaction to that became this man is bad, man shouldn't be on the planet, don't touch any resources, don't use anything. And a huge, at the root of that, a huge lack mentality. There's not enough, whatever you touch gets ruined, you know, we're bad, you know, there's, there's that whole other extreme. I believe we can do better than either of those extremes with the wisdom of God. God gives us wisdom. You know, in the scripture, we have, we have the ideas of truth, and then we have the idea of wisdom. And wisdom is applying the right truth from God's word in the right way at the right time. That's what wisdom is. It's an application of truth in the right way. So you take a principle from the scripture, like sowing and reaping, like esteeming others more highly than yourself, like of being a good steward, like of having an eternal uh, understanding of life and, and the earth and all that. All of these different things. Stewardship is a great one. You take that idea and you apply it with God's leading, with the Spirit of God leading in the right way, at the right time. God gives ideas that are better than anything we can come up with. And this is why we keep ending up drawn up on sides and screaming at each other. What we need, and I believe what the Lord wants, is believers salted out into the planet to have revelation, to have in the middle of the night or the middle of the day, whatever, have revelation of a solution for energy issues, for all these different issues that we deal with, for food production, for all these different things. God has solutions. So we're talking about real practical things here. We're not just talking about the preaching of the gospel, which of course is, is the heart of who we are and why he's releasing us in the earth. But he's definitely talking about more than that when he says, you are like salt into the, the planet, into the earth, into its life systems and resources. He's not just talking about preaching the gospel. And you all know I'm not putting down preaching of the gospel, right? We're just emphasizing 
this piece over here for teaching. Why is that so important? The, the reason I think it's important to God right now is so that you will realize that whether uh, you work with individual groups of people uh, that have certain needs or you're a builder or you're whatever it is that you do, a machinist, you know, whatever it is that you do, wherever you interact, even if you're retired, this is true for you, okay? Wherever you interact, the Lord wants to release his influence in every way. And I think that that idea of that we carry this flavor, we carry this God flavor, I think that runs the whole spectrum from we carry a mercy that's beyond human mercy. We carry a love that's totally different from human love. All right, We esteem others before ourselves in that kind of love. We, uh, we carry an integrity and we carry healing virtue. We carry the power to kick demons out of somebody's life. All, it's the whole spectrum okay, of who Jesus is resides on the inside of us by the Holy Spirit and he wants to salt it into the earth and light up the world systems with it. Does that make sense to you? So this involves everybody, okay? There are no secular roles. There are no secular vocations. If you carry the Spirit of God into some place, that is a holy calling and I'm getting way ahead of myself. All right, so we, these were um, some of our foundation verses. Uh, also, and I'll, I'll just read the verses too. I think I've already preached through them. Um, John chapter 8, verse 12 says, Once more Jesus addressed the crowd. He said, first he said, I am the light of the world. He who follows me will not be walking in the dark, but will have the light, which is life. And again, that's that Greek word zoe. It is the life as God has it. So he's saying, if you're following me, you don't have to be in the dark. You don't have to be totally confused. You don't have to be, you know, and if you're in that place, all of us go through times like that in life, but we need to understand we have light that is available to us and it is the life of God. So we can appropriate that light to ourselves and seek him and spend time with him and, and appropriate that to ourselves. But then he goes on and he says, and we find this in Matthew chapter 5, verses 14 through 16, you are the light of the world. So he says, I am the light of the world. And if you're following me, this light will be imparted to you. And then he says, you are the light, again, of the world, meaning the world's systems, again, commerce, government, societal relationship, anything that's within the sphere of the world's systems, we are to be a light. We are to break darkness. We are to overpower darkness, all right? And he gives us that ability. It comes because the light of the world lives in you, all right? And so when you go out, you are the light of the world. And then we looked at this verse in Matthew chapter 13, verse 33, where Jesus said, the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of heaven, the place What's the kingdom of heaven is the, the, the realm over which or in which God actually rules. Okay, so, so his ideas are actually being applied in the kingdom of heaven. His will is being done. His heart is being reflected in the kingdom of heaven. All right, and he says the kingdom lives 
in us. The kingdom of heaven is like the yeast that a woman used in making bread. Uh, even though she put only a little yeast in three measures of flour, it permeated every part of the dough. So again, it's just another illustration of something small. Yeast is a living thing, and it is introduced Lies dormant for a while, then it's introduced into dough. Again, it's this picture of a really small thing being introduced into a great big thing, but influencing and changing the character of the entire thing. So you might think about that as the place where you work. You might think about that as the, the groups of people you interact with. You don't have to be a majority for the influence of God's nature to be released into that place. It happens through your presence. It happens through your prayers. It happens through your words. It happens through your actions. It happens in lots of ways. But you don't have to be a majority to make it work. It's a small thing. And, and the other one that I keep thinking of, I haven't brought into my notes, is where he talked about the kingdom being like a mustard seed, right? And, and that tiny, tiny seeds. One of the things about mustard seeds, it's really tiny and is planted in the garden, and it grows, and it produces something in which it says the birds of the air can come and land and make nests. So, so it produces a tiny thing planted that produces something, has such an effect, it produces something so big that other beings can come and rest in it, be under its shade, benefit from it. It's the same idea. Wherever you are, whoever you are, wherever you work, wherever you play, wherever you shop, realize that the Lord can do more than you think he's doing with your involvement. And again, it doesn't have to be, okay, I've got to have just the right words to say. I've got to have all this. Just go in with an awareness of his presence and certainly yielded to whatever he would lead you to say or do. Saying and doing is important, okay? But the first place to start is just recognizing this is who he says we are. He will take care of you being that, okay? When he says this is who you are, he's saying that because he made you this, okay? So if you're like Levin, it's because his presence is going to do the work. Does that make sense to you, okay? So... So the, the idea and the primary idea that we're talking about here is that when applied consistently, and please get those words, they're important. They're not on the screen. That's why I'm standing on it. When applied consistently, okay? Kingdom values, God's ways, how God does things, how God sees things. What, you know, what would Jesus do? You know, it's cliche, but it's true. More important, actually, is what is Jesus doing? What, Jesus, are you doing? How do you see that situation that I'm going into? How do you see it? It's almost always different than the way we see it. At least that's true for me. Maybe you're more in tune than I am. But I find that if I will step back and say, okay, Lord, how do you view what's going on here. He always has a different perspective and it always frees up my heart to minister to that thing in the right. Uh, so, so I'm not so often wanting to call down fire on stuff. You know, it's, it's that thing. It's, it's that, you know, Lord, 
let's let's call down fire on them because they don't agree with me. You know, it's it, he generally gets rid of that and brings us back to you don't even know what spirit you're of. You know, so so it's you know what is Jesus doing in this in this situation when we apply that kingdom values, God's ways, it actually does make life work better. God's ways work. God designed life. Life is designed. Life didn't just happen by accident on a biological level or any other level. Relationship didn't just happen. We're, we are, are not just an accident. Now we function like this. God designed this thing. He knows what makes a family work. He knows what makes a marriage work. He knows what makes a business work. He knows what makes a medicine work. He knows what makes all of that stuff work. And so when we apply those things, it actually makes life work better. And this just, I mean, I just gave you a little list there that are just, those are just a few things that came up. I mean, you could, you can just add to this all day long. Integrity works better in the real world, in the marketplace. Integrity works better than hypocrisy. Integrity works better than lying, than duplicity. Okay, it's if, if you're a business owner and you're one way with one group and a different way with another group, it's going to bite you sooner or later. If you pretend to be something you're not in any situation, if you go into a marriage and, and you pretend to be something you're not and pretend to be something you're not and pretend to be something you're not and get married, and then eventually they're going to figure out who you are. And then you need the grace of God to keep things working. But I mean, integrity... Being the same inwardly and outwardly. Having honesty in your life. All those kinds of things. It works better than anything else that we would come up with. Honesty works better than deceit. You know, and I've told you many times, we used to work for a guy at, over in Durango at, at United Van Lines that uh, he wanted us to lie to customers all the time. And it was just the way he did business. He knew we couldn't be there to deliver on Wednesday. We were driving a 1963 Mac with no sleeper and no, uh, no air conditioning, no power. That was probably the biggest thing. Hauling these trailers across the western United States in the summer with two dogs with us. And uh, do we have a little sleeper in that thing? We must have. The dogs couldn't have been on our laps. But yeah, anyway. That, and, and he knew it will not get from Dallas to L.A. in this much time. But he wanted us to tell the shippers we were going to be there and deliver that day. And then they'd just be mad when you call them from the middle of Arizona and you say, it's probably going to be two more days. We're making about 45 miles an hour here and everybody's mad at us and we're roasting you know, and but he wanted us to lie. Well, it didn't work, and we wouldn't do it. We just wouldn't do it, and uh, that relationship ended up not working out that well. <laughs> but but our shippers appreciated it. We just tell them the truth. I'm really sorry. This is how long it's going to take. Honesty actually works better than deceit. It's it's our society has gotten to the point. Hasn't gotten to the point. It's been this way for years. We go back sometimes and watch the old Andy Griffith shows because when we were kids, you know, we would, we would see those. They were old when we were kids. And, you know, we still think Barney's funny and stuff. So you go back and watch those. Well, it turns out 
Andy lied all the time, you know, and it was what we used to call a little white lie. You know, it was always for somebody's benefit, but he lies constantly, and it's kind of been shocking. It's like, gosh, this was the 50s or something, and, and the programs were already kind of, you know, oh, he's so clever, and he, and he tells these lies, and I'm thinking, stop lying, Andy, just tell him the truth, you know, but he never does. And and so it got that, and then as we got into the, I mean, I remember, especially as I became more aware of things, like in the 70s and the 80s, you know, all the sitcoms glorify lying. And now it's really cool and funny to have little kids lying and being, you know, they think that's clever and, and they're telling lies and they're deceiving people all the time. We've just brought it into our society is that we lie to each other and we lie to ourselves and it's not working. You know, it's just not working. So honesty actually works. It actually works better. Sometimes you have to think about and pray about the time of bringing, you know, of, of telling somebody something and whether they're receptive and what your level of relationship is and all that. But we really, we don't have to lie. It's, it's better if we just tell the truth. Honor works so much better than self-promotion. What I mean by that is if you honor the, the person that's in charge in your life, whether that's your client who's in charge or your boss who's in charge or, you know, who, whoever that might be, if you will honor that person, respect, even if you don't love everything they do, even if you don't agree with everything they do, keep your heart right and honor their position it will work much better than either promoting yourself or just being in strife all the time. God may move you out of that job and into a different one. Very well might. He might move them. But it will work better if you honor people than if you don't honor people, if you promote yourself or you dishonor people. You know, love that esteems others and thinks of the other person's good. Philippians chapter 2 tells us to live that way. It works better on the street, it works better in traffic to think of another person's good instead of just your own and pushing your way and just, you know, I've, I've got to get ahead. You know, I've, I've got to get in there. I've got to me first, you know, that, that whole thing. It's wrecking our society. I mean, it works better on the most practical terms that you can think of. Uh, I put unity down there. I got to move on. But you know, unity, we talk about this sometimes in regard to the church. Unity is not uniformity. It is not all of us thinking the same thing, all of us believing the same thing, and if you disagree with me, you should be silenced. That's not unity, okay? We're not looking for uniformity. Unity is diversity in harmony, diverse gifts, diverse ways of thinking, diversity that honors one another and actually cooperates for a greater good and a greater goal. That's unity. It works really well. Our society currently is dividing itself into smaller and smaller and smaller identity groups. And it's being pushed through politics. It's being pushed. You're this group. So that means you should hate that group and that group and that group, but you're okay with this group. And, and they're trying to push us into this, this identifying ourselves in smaller and smaller and smaller categories. And it's just dividing us. It's taking all of our, the, the scripture talks about the power of agreement. Talks about us being, and it doesn't mean we have to all be the same. 
heaven forbid. God set all kinds of gifts in the body of Christ. He set all kinds of different people with different bents and different desires and different parts of his nature that are strong in him. And then he, because our focus is on him as bigger than us and his agenda as bigger than ours, then he can multiply there's synergy there. He can multiply our ability as we come together in unity. It works in regular life too. So the point of all this is kingdom values, and we could go through them for two weeks. You know, kingdom values applied consistently actually work. They actually make life better. So, so it's really important for us to, and what I want you to understand out of this is God wants to season every part of life. I've said this to you a couple different ways. Every vocation, every role, everything we do with his values, his life, his, his perspective on life, his principles that work so that life works the way he designed it to work. Does that make sense to you? And the way he's doing that is sprinkling us out into all these different areas. I think the important thing is just that we be aware of who we are and whose we are, no matter what we're doing. Again, I'll just make these statements to you again. This means there's no secular vocation for the Christian. For a long time, we thought that standing behind a pulpit and teaching the word or preaching the gospel on the mission field or whatever, that's, a, that's sort of a, a holy calling. And everybody else has this, you know, comes and enjoys that and then goes to their secular thing. There's no such thing as a secular vocation if you are bringing the grace of God, the Spirit of God into that vocation. It is your acceptance of God's call, and you might be doing something that you even consider really menial right now. I don't know. But don't think of it as menial because it's not, because God has placed his valuable treasure, you, in that place. It doesn't matter what you're doing. It doesn't matter. I mean, just to use the cliches, whether you're flipping burgers or doing brain surgery, you know, it, whatever it is, are you starting the day realizing, I am yours, Lord. You have graced me. I may not feel like it, but you said it. You have graced me. You have equipped me. And I'm going into what I do knowing I carry the presence of God. And anybody I enter, I'm, I'm anticipating your wisdom for what I do. I'm anticipating your grace and anointing to help me do it better than I could possibly do it on my own. Okay, I'm anticipating that going on. And I believe that my place, my shop, my office, my truck, my whatever is filled with the presence of God. And anybody that comes in there is going to, to some degree, come under that influence. I am salting my world. I am bringing God flavor into my world. It's not the nature of your job that makes it holy. It's not the nature of what you do. My job here is no more sacred than your job there. We are all believers. We are all ministers. And again, that's not to bring down. Uh, the last thing I want to do is bring down the people who are called to the ministry. It's just, I just think we need to elevate in our understanding people who are called to the ministry out there. Does that make sense to you? It's, it's 
it's what you do. It's your choice to be awareness of caring, to be aware of caring his presence um, that makes what you do a spiritual activity. Let me say it that way. Makes what you do a spiritual activity. So, boy, I really want to, uh, sorry. <laughs> I should know I have that on by now. We don't have time to get into this. Let me just, um, we'll come back to it next week. Let's just look at this verse because I'm sure some of you will be somewhere else. Let me tell you a couple quick things about this verse. We'll come back and start here next week. First Peter chapter 2, verse 9. He really introduces this idea that we're talking about right here. He says, he says to believers, you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a royal priesthood. A dedicated nation, dedicated to God. Get this. I think this is the only thing we need to really hit today out of this. You are God's own purchased special people. God's own purchased special people. Now, we'll, again, we'll look at this. Uh, the Passion Translation says you're God's chosen treasure. And really, this is a quote uh, from back in Exodus. And, and we'll probably look at that next week. But let me just give you this, this Hebrew word, you're, you're, you're God's own uh, chosen people, special, purchased special people, okay? Or you are God's own purchased treasure, chosen treasure. That idea, it comes from a Hebrew word that we usually translate treasure, but here's what it means. It's a special treasure or a guarded wealth. It was, it was mainly used in reference to kings and people in authority that had, they had the treasury, but then they had their treasury. And in, that, in their treasury, they had their finest jewels. They had their finest, I don't know what, golden cups or, you know, I don't know. Uh, what, whatever it is they find when they dig that stuff up these days. But they had their personal treasury. And that was guarded because, it, and it was protected because of the extraordinary value of what was in it. That's the word that the Lord uses here about you and I. He says, you are my chosen special treasure. All right. And he tells us, and then he tells us why. He says that or so that. Okay. That you may set forth. That means to declare aloud, to make known, to make widely known. All right, that you may set forth the wonderful deeds and display the virtues and perfections. That's his heart, his attitude, the virtues and perfections of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. Peter is saying this to believers. He's not saying this at a pastor's conference. He's saying this to all, he's saying this to the whole church. This is who you are. Good stuff to meditate on. So that when you go out tomorrow morning, when you go out and you go into your world, whatever it is you do, or this afternoon, when you go out, you recognize this isn't to puff us up. This is very humbling if you think about it. But recognize your presence in that place. And, and, and see, here's the deal. The reason this works is because we add our faith to it. It's because we take what he says, and even though we don't feel like his special treasure, 
and we don't see what influence we're having a lot of times. And sometimes we can feel really frustrated, like, man, I, you know, I'm not having any influence here at all. If you will take this and add your faith to it and go in just trusting God, you said this, I believe, I take you at your word, I believe it's making a difference for me to be there. And as long as you want me to be there, that's where I'll be. And when you want to move me somewhere else, I'll move with you. I'll go there. But wherever I go, kingdom influence is going. I'm going to flavor that place. And you don't have to be weird about it. All you have to do is add your faith to what God has said. Does that make sense? All right, let's stand up and pray this morning. We'll be done. 11 o'clock on the dot, on the dot. All right. Thank you, Father. Thank you so much, Lord. You are so good. You've done so many things just in this last hour and a half. People have been healed. People have been set free. I know we're singing Break Every Chain. I could just see people getting a revelation of that they can actually be free from something. Father, you've done so many things. You've breathed so much into us. Lord, we don't want to let it go. So we choose right now to treasure up in our hearts what you have said and what you have done to bring all of this back before you and let you expound upon it, let you develop it. And Father, we believe together. We pray, Lord, and believe for the people around us right now as we and as they go into this world, they carry the influence of the Spirit of God everywhere they go. And Lord, we look for actual, tangible transformation in places. Help us see it. Holy Spirit, I think sometimes we just don't recognize it. We're focused on the negative. We don't see what you have done. So Father, we we thank you for it. Yeah, this just comes up, so I got to say this right now. You know, uh, the scripture even talks about, talks about marriage, and it talks about a situation where a wife is married to a husband who is not a believer, and he, and he says, hey, if, if he's happy to dwell with you if things aren't you know terrible or if he's not abusing you then stay in there because there's a sanctification that comes to that household and to your children through through you as a believer not through you doing all the right things just through you being there so I don't know I think that might be an encouragement to somebody in here today I don't know but father we just thank you for all that we just pray that 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 flavor of Jesus Christ be released all through our world we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. We're going to go out of here. There's lots of snacks out there. Hope everybody will hang around and make some friends. But uh, we're going to say it on the count of three, that Jesus is Lord over the Gunnison Basin in the world. And then we're going to go out there and be the church, right? One, two, three. Jesus is Lord over the Gunnison Basin and the world. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Rocky Mountain Christian Ministries in Gunnison, Colorado. We hope you will visit us at rmcmchurch.org, like our Facebook page, or subscribe to our messages on YouTube.